Thank you. No. You guys, uh, like, moving some silverware around over there? <laughs> Keys. Nice. You know, usual things to get ready for a podcast. Mm-hmm. You gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a great intro to our second yeah. season, Dan. Oh, yeah. Feels good. Feels right. And yet, oh, so wrong. Bring your love in the family. And fade out. Beautiful. All right, well, as you said, welcome to season two of 12 Men, One Podcast, the podcast featuring myself, Dan, and my co-host, Dr. David J. Pohl. What's new, Dave? Not a lot of just been enjoying the summer, uh, enjoying the, the preseason of fantasy football. Excited to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, how many days now till the first game? Oh, too many, still too many. But uh, I think uh, if you're talking college football, we got a week. If you're talking NFL, we got a full two weeks left still uh, before the first games. But uh, excited to have football back in our lives. It's a good time of the year. Indeed. So, welcome back, as Dan said, 12 Men, 1 Podcast. This is episode number one, uh, maybe potentially episode number zero, depending on how you want to number things. Episode prime. 2019 season. Oh, there you go. Uh, So, uh, for our loyal listeners, welcome back uh, to all of our uh, new listeners. Thanks for joining us. Uh, This is the podcast. We're two doctors, and we're joined by our friends often, uh, sometimes our mortal enemies, and uh, we like to discuss our very unique salary cap fantasy football league uh, on a pretty regular, almost weekly basis, some might say. And we like to keep in touch with each other via podcast. Because what's better than saying I love you through an audio medium? It's true. All right, well, Dan, do you want to jump right in? And, uh, I mean, I guess since you kind of won the thing last year, do you want to give us a little recap of last season? Well, you know, as I predicted, champion. Uh, it was always meant to be that way. I was always meant to hold the title, hold the belt. Fits me beautifully. Clothed, unclothed. It just it's perfect. And now I think that's a perfect time to bring up a quote. That you said last year, and I and this is a direct quote because I listened to the podcast again. You said, "You wow. said if I ever win this league, which I will, you guys are going to see so many pictures of the belt and me doing terrible things to that belt. You're never going to want to win it." End quote. And I will say I've seen plenty of pictures of the belt, but no terrible things, which I am thankful for. You know. It, it's true. Um, it brings about some news. And, you know, the terrible things were started in December after I won the championship. And they continued into the new year. And they were glorious. But then my son was born on January 29th and changes your perspective on things. And you can only, you can only do so many uh, crude <laughs> and unusual things with a leather belt uh, when you have a 
infant at home in a small apartment. So I've grown. Awfully I've grown. big of you. Yeah. So my my remaining uh, bitterness from the 2018 season is the the Kentucky Derby that happened just uh, three and a half short months ago. Um, I feel I got screwed out of the number one pick uh, by some BS judging. Um, I chose maximum security. He won that race fair and square. You know, Rubin's racing. Horses are going to hit each other when you're racing next to each other that close that fast. I still think I should have had the number one pick. Prove me wrong. I mean, you absolutely did get screwed. That's for sure. Um, I can't argue with you. I want to, but you did get screwed. Tony got saved because he picked the favorite and then the horse got scratched and his friend, because he didn't have a patient at the time, got him, as per our rules, got him the next available horse, which was Code of Honor, who ended up winning. And so began Tony's rebuild. Yeah, and I think uh, it's definitely, definitely been a rebuild season for Tony already. He's made some some big trades, clearly playing for 2020 and beyond. Um, and we'll get into those a little bit later. Um, but first, just a quick league update. Um, I know you guys have read my uh, elaborate emails about our division changes. Uh, so we're adding a fourth division this year. Uh, it's going to be kind of the, the relegation division. We're going to give that a try. Basically, the bottom three teams uh, or the bottom team from each of the three divisions is going to get moved into the relegation division in the next year. Uh, and just kind of as a little extra punishment, uh, a little extra embarrassment, like you guys were so bad that now you get relegated. But uh, because we're nice and because we're all friends here, you still have a chance to make the playoffs the next season. You're going to be uh, in, in the full swing of things in terms of scheduling. So it's, it's kind of a slap on the wrist relegation. You're not really getting kicked out. Um, and I think I just found it most interesting that this year the, the that relegation division is all Marquette grads. And... Ouch. So, point of clarification: Does the division winner in the relegation division automatically make the playoffs, like the rest of the divisions? No, and I'm glad you brought that up because. I think that could uh, be seen as a punishment per se, because if you were one of the bottom three teams in the league in, for example, 2018, and then somehow Tony ends up winning this division, you know, is that really a benefit for him to get in the playoffs and get a worse draft pick uh, potentially or a worse pony pick? I think it's more of a punishment. Um, however, the relegation division is still uh, open for wild cards. So if one of the teams does have a pretty good record, uh, you know, they're still eligible for wild card playoff spots. It's just uh, there's not a guaranteed playoff spot from that division. So three wild cards, three division winners, six teams total in the playoffs. Yep. So, yeah, playoffs are staying the same. Um, it's just now we got an extra division to, to eh, embarrass people a little bit more. Very good. All right, so I think um, I'm going to move down the page a little bit here and uh, do a little little segment we like to call Bourbon Corner. Bourbon Corner. Bourbon Corner. What are you drinking, Paul? Lovely as ever. Uh, tonight I got a lovely little gem. It's an Elijah Craig 
barrel proof. It's a uh, batch B519. So it was their, uh, they dumped it in May of 2019, their second batch of the year. It's, it's lovely. I think it's about 114 proof. Uh, very, got a nice burn on the nose. Uh, lots of flavors. I think a little drop of water really opens it up. But to each their own. Wow, this is this is a little embarrassing, uh, but I'm drinking the same thing. Nice. I'm too lazy to get up and actually look at all the information you just described, but it's roughly the same. And what do you think of it? Well, I don't know all those descriptions you described, but it tastes good. Uh, <laughs> not my not my favorite purchase of twenty nineteen. Probably my favorite twenty nineteen bourbon purchase is the Michters, which. I did not like at first sip, but it really grew on me, and now I can't find it anywhere, so it makes me want it more. Ooh, well, I have good news for you. When you come to Chicago, 2019 Labor Day live draft, they got Michters at every Binnie's as far as the eye can see. Beautiful. All right, and that was Bourbon Corner. Thanks for joining us. See you next time in Chicago, Bourbon Corner. Live. Will there be a literal bourbon corner? There may or may not be a lot of bottles of bourbon that make a corner, yes. (laughs) Might be a bourbon round. Bourbon Lazy Susan. Like dim sum. (laughs) All right. Uh, So getting back to the uh, the fantasy football talk here, uh, I thought there was some some interesting signings and even more some interesting non-signings in the franchise tags. Our wide receivers were the most expensive this year. They cost almost $30 million to resign. Uh, we only had two receiver signings. D'Amato went with Michael Thomas, which I thought was a, a very wise choice. And Kaz took T.Y. Hilton, which at first glance I thought maybe overpaid for him. But then when you look at you know the available players out there, you, he kind of had to overpay for him. Yeah, I think this is an interesting pair here. So first – D'Amato, uh, you know, he originally was going to tag Melvin Gordon, according to, you know, according to the sources. But obviously with the contract dispute, yeah, he might not play this year, which, you know, puts the one big name in the running back market now because there are no free agent running backs available this year, which is going to be interesting in a couple weeks. Uh, but now Gordon is in the pool, but we don't know if he's going to play. And then D'Amato signs arguably the best wide receiver in the league, Fantasy-wise, uh, obviously that's a good deal. And Kaz, you know, I think makes the right decision here. And, you know, it's it's easy to rip on Kaz, and I did, uh, more than once or twice or three times last year because, you know, his free agent signings didn't work out. He put in about, I think it was $50, 60000000 in the two running backs that uh, barely saw the field last season. But – I was looking at his roster, preparing for the podcast and everything, and you know I got to give credit to Kaz because, I mean he 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 put it all out there. He tried. He just his free agent signings failed, but his drafts have been good. Um, he's got a high lot of high quality young receivers, and he just completely whiffed on the two running backs, which puts him in a huge hole. But I mean he's he's doing everything the right way, so I got to give him a lot of credit there. Yeah, you gotta you trust the process, not always the results, right? Mm, the process. 
So speaking of all those running backs, uh, we had four running backs signed to franchise tags this year. Their price was a, a measly $32 million. Uh, I think the the obvious signings there were uh, were Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott. You know, before all of the uh, arthritis and holdout talks, uh, maybe a little bit more suspect after those findings. But like you said, running back is real thin already. So those were those were easy signings for me. Um, I'm a little biased about Tony resigning David Johnson because I, I traded for him. Um, and then you, uh, I, I feel you, like I feel like is it true I was the instigator of that trade. You certainly helped. Um, yeah. You know, you you brought it up in a group chat, and maybe ten minutes, twenty minutes later, I got a, a text from Tony or a G chat saying, "Hey, I got this good trade idea." Uh, so, I mean, we're going to talk later about one trade every team should do, but that was originally on my list, and now I can't include it because I gave it away to you guys. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, I feel like it made my team better. I feel like it uh, kept Tony's team uh, down in the basement where it belongs. So. Just excited for it all around. Yeah, it also shows how embarrassingly early I think about fantasy football in the year. I mean, you obviously weren't the only one because me and Tony were were quick to jump on the trade discussion bandwagon. So don't feel too embarrassed. And uh, so the the last running back franchise tag was uh, your own Dan Damian Williams, and and what did you end up doing with him? Well, I mean, I knew the. Running back market was sparse. I was originally going to hold on it, hold out for more for him, but I kind of just got impatient and wanted to get him off my roster. I didn't want to take the risk of holding on to him as a franchise tag and then never playing him on my team because, you know, we'll talk about as we go here, Zangus and I are kind of running back heavy, and every team needs running backs except Zangus and I. And so I just decided, like, I'm just going to franchise him, but I want to know I can get rid of him before I franchise him because otherwise I I actually was planning on franchising the Bears defense. So I just needed a plan in place, get rid of him, got rid of him. I was happy. Um, so we'll see. But an interesting point, you know, we didn't talk much about El- Zeke Elliott. Zangus franchise tagged him. Obvious, It's an obvious tag, but is he going to play? I don't know. It's it's tough questions, um, and I feel like looking at reality sports too. Zankis uh, tagged him very early on; like he had his roster set from the get go. There was talks of the Zeke holdout. Zank didn't care; he believes in him, so I believe in him. Zeke will play. Zankis once Zankis started caring about his team, he has been, you know, very 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 good at decision making as an owner. Very true. He's had a lot of great drafts, and I think we can uh, we'll recap his his rookie draft this season uh, in a few minutes. But uh, I think now we'll move on to to maybe some more interesting signings and some non signings. I'm going to start from the bottom here. Phil used his franchise tag very interestingly. Uh, he franchises a kicker, Gaskowski, for a little under a million point seven five. Um, I mean, overall, pretty good value. Uh, you got to assume he's going to be a solid kicker again, but you know, you never know with kickers. So I just think it's always interesting using a franchise tag on a, on a kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what we're I'm trying to remember, what were Phil's other options here? I don't remember if he had any great ones. I know I, I had identified one other person that I was maybe on him, but that was 
like you said, uh, we thought about this way too early. That was a while ago, um, and I've since forgotten who that was. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a lot of good options, and he has he has kind of a tweener team. He has a lot of kind of high upside guys on his team, but no, not many guarantees other than probably Evans, maybe Thielen. Um, but he has a crap ton of money to spend in free agency, so we'll see. Very true, very true. Uh, the other shocking signing I thought, or tagging I should say, was a Truman tag Drew Brees at uh, almost $10.5 million. Um, I, I didn't have him valued quite that high, but you know, you're going to get some stability out of Drew Brees. He's not going to lose you any weeks, but uh, I just don't know if he's going to win you any either. Yeah, I mean, I think this, you know, that made sense for what Truman has. Um, he's kind of in a tough spot. He's kind of, again, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but he's kind of a tweener here. He's got the best running back in the league, and he's got maybe some potential in some players, you know, like Aaron Jones. You can't really rely on him, but uh, some people really love him. I'm just not one of those guys. Uh, AJ Green is injured now. He's got a lot of young guys. We'll talk about the draft later. So, you know, I think in what he had, like you said, it's a nice constant. You know, he's going to put up a decent amount of points. He can. There's a ton of QBs on the free agent market. He can sign someone else. And for ten million dollars with the hundred eighty million dollar cap, I mean, I'm makes sense to me. Sure, sure. Now, the, the tight end group I found the kind of most interesting, and there was the most uh, intrigue around them this offseason. So the tight end price tag ended up settling at $12.6 million. And in part, that was because you were slated to pay Gronk about $26 million this year, but then he up and retired. Um, so Yeah, that really worked out for me because he basically can't move anymore, so it really helped that he retired. I signed him to a four-year contract in the hope that he'd retire after this year. And with my luck, he retired after one year. Yeah. So uh, we reached out to, to Reality Sports to figure out how they calculated the franchise tags because by my math, the tight end tag should have only been $7 million with Gronk out of the picture. Uh, but they said they calculate the tags in February and Gronk had not retired then um, or Rather, his salary was not zero on our reality sports platform then. So uh, they calculated the, the tight end tag with Gronk's salary included, which brought it up to that 12.6. And I think that's a, a right. you know, that's a great price for Cratch keeping George Kittle there. Um, he's still getting a steal. I'm sure he would have gone for, you know, mid-20s to low-30s uh, in the free agent auction. So I think Cratch gets a steal. Yeah, that's a good deal. And there's a lot of question marks in the tight end market. There's a lot of potential, but a lot of question marks. And that's, you know, that was news to me about the franchise tag. It also affected uh, wide receivers because we expected the, I expected the wide receiver tag to go down with Baldwin's retirement because I think Michael had him up around 30 million. But um, it, it does follow, RSO tries to follow the NFL rules and that's what they did and that makes sense. Yeah. And then the other quirk about tight end pricing this year. So I had Pentis slated to keep Travis Kelsey all summer. Uh, and then lo and behold, when the tags locked, Kelsey was nowhere to be seen. Uh, so Kelsey would have actually cost him uh, $38.9 million. And if that number sounds familiar to you guys, that's because it's the, the wide receiver price tag. Ooh, sounds like you're getting a little bit more Elijah Craig there. Uh, that's a like great that sound. sound. 
So um, what happened there is when, when a player is franchised uh, the first and second year, uh, the cost is either the, the higher of the top five salary average for that position or 120% of that player's last year's salary, whichever is greater. But when you try and tag someone for that third year in a row, the tag is the highest average salary of any position, which in this case was wide receivers, or 150% of last year's tag. And so that's why I think the the price just got a little too high for for Pentis on uh, Travis Kelsey there, and I think that's ultimately why I decided to cut him. But, I mean, even at that price, it's uh, – you know, he might not be able to get him back cheaper. He might go for just that much in the auction anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I probably would have signed him based on that. Uh, we'll talk about salary cap here in a couple of minutes, but um, still, like you said, it's a lot of money for Pennis, and Pennis has a lot of he has a lot of players, but he still has a lot of needs. So. Um, Knowing Pentas, I have a feeling he'll try to get sign him again, but for cheaper. Best of luck with that. All right, so we uh, we just finished up our uh, twelve men one trophy fifth annual inaugural uh, rookie draft. And uh, Dan, do you want to start breaking that down for us? You had a longer draft than I did, so tell me what you were looking at in the first what you saw. Well, first, you know, I give a lot of credit to the whole league because I think the drafting, at least from my perspective, and, you know, what do I know, honestly, but I think has was very, very good. Um, ignoring, ignoring some of the projections from RSO and ESPN and some of those sites and really drafting for our league, I, I was honestly impressed with how in, t- in total the league did in drafting. A lot of players that I thought would um, go later went earlier. Uh, like, you know, Justice Hill, I was planning for months to easily get in the third round, and there were a couple members of the league that were going to draft him in the second. Um, and just the general, like, focus on running backs, that was really um, bad for me as an owner in the league. But overall, I was impressed that people were doing the right thing and overvaluing running backs compared to wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think the uh, the second round um, was where, you know, call it a reach or call it drafting who you want, but that's where the majority of the running backs went that, um, you know, when we started the draft, yeah. was that about a week and a half ago, 10 days ago? Um, yeah. You know, those guys, even back then, those guys were probably late second to, to third round picks, but, uh, you know, Phil took Justice Hill with the fifth pick in the second round. Uh, you took Damian Harris with the seventh. Kaz took Ryquel Armstead at nine. Pentis took Zangus with Madison the third Allen. with the third pick. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, skipped over that one. Um, and then Phil traded up to get Tony Pollard at twelve. So I mean, that's half of that round was all running backs, and I mean they all could be you know flex starters at least at some point this year. Yeah, and you know, and looking to get back to your original question, I mean, get I think overall like. You know, last year I had a couple. I really railed on Tony. I thought he had a bad draft. I, I honestly, I think this year everyone has a right to say that they had a decent draft. Um, you know, a couple uh, nitpicks here and there. Like, um, you know, to me, Phil taking Kyler Murray is is 
too early for what his team needed, but would I have taken Kyler Murray at eight? Definitely, I wanted to. Um, so I don't blame him, but he's kind of taking something that he doesn't really need, um, and it's a big question mark. So that's tough, but he tried to pick up some other players later in the draft, as you as you just mentioned, to cover for that. Um, Kaz gets unlucky. I, I mean, I like Nikhil Harry probably as the number one receiver, but um, obviously DK Metcalf is a good choice, and he just got unlucky that he's already injured, but we'll see what happens. I don't think that's a bad pick. Um, I just would have picked Nikhil Harry. Probably, to me, Nikhil Harry was number three, um, you know, on my big board, we'll call it. But other than that, I mean, I don't think there's any complaints to be made, to be honest. I thought I, I'm, I'm impressed, to be honest. Yeah, I, I felt the same thing. I thought it was a, a pretty pretty good draft. Um, I mean, Zankas started out the, the draft with three picks in the third round, and I think I told him after my first pick, like, hey, you know, I want to trade back into the third round, thinking, you know, some of those other guys would, would be easily available in the, the early to mid-third round, and, you know, most of them weren't. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a, a pretty good draft. Um, you know, were, weren't too many people, you know, that dropped too far. No one, like, reached super hard for anyone other than Truman drafting every Ohio State player available. Um, yeah, but overall, pretty good draft. Yeah, and but to be honest, like, I mean, I like Mike, Mike Weber, Mike Weber, Mike Weber as a person, but um, other than <laughs> – you know, McLaurin and Paris Campbell, I mean, where he picked those guys, I mean, they're good picks. So, yeah, he picked three Ohio State guys, but um, he didn't really reach for any of them. So, I, I, again, I don't think – I think, honestly, he had a great draft because he's getting a lot of high-quality players at late stages of the draft. So, Yeah, for sure. And uh, one, one thing I'll warn you about, Dan – you know, you traded back into the third round at the end there. You took Bryce Love at the 10th pick. Uh, Washington running backs coming off of torn ACLs. <laughs> Tony loves to trade for them. Good to know. Good to know. I got to be honest, like, if you read his story, obviously he was an amazing college running back for most of his career, but um, I kind of got suckered into his story. So if you go, you know, Google Bryce Love and read his story the last, like, two years of his life and his whole life, it's – it's pretty inspiring, so I kind of got suckered into that, i got to be honest. But he was going to be a target of mine the whole time. Uh, but I thought I was a little worried at the end there with Zangus because I know Zangus was thinking about taking him. So I was a little worried about getting him, but it worked out. Yeah, and I mean, I was when I traded back into the, the 306 pick, I was thinking about taking him there too, but uh, ultimately Darius Geis uh, scared me away off of uh, Washington running backs in general. So thanks for taking him off my hands, Tony. <laughs> I mean, with Washington, though, it's like you don't have a lot of faith in any fantasy players on Washington. That's the big problem. Very true. All right, any other uh, rookie draft thoughts before we kind of move on to the rest of the preseason? I think that's about it. I mean, like I said, there are just so many wide receivers in this draft, but I felt like most of them were drafted at the right time. Um, to me, Boykin and uh, Hakeem Butler were probably, you know, they both slid a little bit from my ratings, but I understand why they did. And like I said earlier, I think I can't complain about any of the picks, honestly. So um, overall, great draft. 
Yeah, good job, team. Except that day where no picks were made. That was terrible. That was a rough day. That was a rough day. So, yeah, next year we'll uh, we'll go back to the original eight-hour time frame. Uh, we'll do the the pausing overnight again as best we can. Um, and maybe, I'll, maybe I'll shoot the RSO guys an email, see if they can build that feature in so I don't have to keep forgetting about it. All right, so, you know, we're only halfway through the offseason. we still got our free agent auction to go. Um, Dan, any early contenders for best or worst off-seasons? I mean, again, like last year I had a lot of – I thought there were some bad moves being made. Uh, overall this year, I think in terms of the few moves that have been made, we haven't done the free agent auction yet. But I, I mean, if you're rating them, probably I'm the worst, to be honest. Because I'm, I'm kind of just trying to. Well, what, what moves have you made? <laughs> well, I mean, so, for example, like, I traded a first round pick, which became uh, McCole Hardman. So I traded that pick to Gall because I was trying to clear salary. So I got rid of uh, Chris Thompson because I had him for two more years. So I did that, and I got. Um, in Joku, which was good, but at the time I wasn't planning on drafting Hawkinson. But then my strategy kind of changed. So then I ended up cornering the market on tight ends here. I have three like high quality tight ends, but that's okay. Um, I've had a couple plans this season already that haven't worked out. And then the trade I made with Cratch again, um, you know, I, I have my reasons for doing that. Uh, part of it, honestly, was. I was I was just gonna blow the league out of the water and make a Godfather offer for Michael Thomas, like sixty million dollars one year, and then Melvin Gordon held out and Demato kept Thomas. So, you know, the best laid plans mm. of mice and men often go astray. Wow, yeah. good job. Paul. And I mean, you still you still have a crap ton of salary room, but we won't get into that yet. Um, any oh, yeah. other uh, any standouts for best off season so far? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, of the moves that have been made, I think, I mean, you're, you're doing a good job. You're setting yourself up to compete for a championship this year. Tony is doing the right thing and setting himself up to rebuild his team. Uh, I think the move Cratch made with me, like. I think that was a great move on Cratch's part. Two years ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I gave him a great deal. So he, he loses a bunch of salary so he can compete in the market where he didn't have a lot of cap left. And he gets maybe, you know, it's a risk, but maybe a number one running back, which like we talked about already, those are going to be few and far between this year. It's just going to be a battle for running backs. Very true, very true. So I guess speaking of running backs, now is probably a good time to uh... – Transition into uh, my pre-auction, preseason power index. Uh, oh, there's a, never a bad time. Well, thank you. So uh, if you guys remember last year, this is a uh, highly analytical stats and bourbon-based ranking. Um, so it's mostly based on stats and then uh, gets adjusted based on how I'm feeling. So uh, right now, I think there's a, kind of a clear uh, top three in the league. Um, both in combination of current roster, salary cap, 
and kind of ability to, to fill out that roster. So my top three right now, Dan, two of them are in your division. Um, like you said, you, yeah, how'd that happen? Huh, funny. Uh, you know, you and Zankis mm-hmm. are both uh, pretty running back heavy and, and I got you guys uh, sitting at one and two. Um, you know, you got a, a lot of salary room and you only got two roster spots left to fill. So um, I hope you enjoy spending a lot on defenses and kickers. Um, Three roster spots, bro. Uh, but yeah, you put Bryce Love in the IR, but you cannot uh, draft anyone with that extra spot. Um, that's what I learned last year with Darius Geis. Oh, really? Yep. Damn. I know. I said the same thing. The more, you, the more you know. Yeah. So two roster spots. You can make some big free agent pickups. Zankis, I have him at number two. Again, he's got four good running backs that any team would love to have one of, um, but he needs some help at wide receiver, so he's got a little work there. Um, And then my number three pick is uh, is Phil. Um, Phil's got, I think, the the most money out there, or almost the most money uh, available. He's got uh, definitely uh, some some gaps in his roster, like you said. He's got Kyler Murray right now, but he maybe needs an actual quarterback. Uh, and he could use some wide receiver depth, but he's got plenty of money to spend. So that's my top three right now. Um, do you want me to go further? You want to just leave it at that and move on? Well, you know, Phil Phil's kind of tough, like to be in there. Um, running back for him is a big question. Chris Carson, I love. Um, I, I I have been trying to trade for Marlon Mack from Phil for three years, uh, but that said. There's still a lot of question backs at running question marks at running back for Phil, um, and I don't like feeling as much um, as most people do. I never have. Uh, he's proved me wrong many times, but um, I'm surprised to see Phil at three. But I think you should give the bottom three of your PPI, and then we'll move on. All right. Um, so my bottom three: uh, number ten is Tony, number eleven is Tony, and number twelve is Tony. Ah, uh, yes, Tony. Any other questions? No. So uh, my my real bottom no, three. That's pretty much what I expected. Yeah. So I mean, uh, we got Tony at the bottom for this year. We already talked about it. it's a it's a rebuilding season for him. Um, he's he's only got twelve players rostered right now, but he has a boatload of money. So I expect to see some some high numbers out there in the free agent auction on some long term contracts for him uh, to kind of build himself up for for future seasons. Uh, coming in at number eleven, um, Kaz. Just unfortunate. Uh, like you said, he's got a lot of money tied up in two running backs that um, are not going to play a lot, if at all, this year in McKinnon and Ajayi. Um, he, he needs help a little bit everywhere on his roster, and he doesn't have a, a ton of money to do it with just because he's got so much locked up in those two guys. Uh, and then uh, coming in number 10 um, might be, yeah, might be a little surprising because um, he was a perennial top three guy in the power index last year is D'Amato. Um, you know, wow. he, he took some big hits. He had some expiring contracts, um, basically by choosing to sign Michael Thomas or tag Michael Thomas, he had to let Julio go. He had to let Melvin Gordon go. Um, you know, he's got plenty of cap space. He'll, he should be able to resign, you know, some big names. Um, but for right now, you know, his, his roster is only half full and it, uh, it's very incomplete and he needs a lot of help. Yeah. I mean, he really, to even have a chance, I mean, he needs Tevin Coleman to 
be a true number one. Then he has Coleman, Dalvin Cook, who, you know, I guess is a question mark in of himself. Michael Thomas, who's he, who does he start at the other wide receiver? I mean, yeah, I can't it, – it's weird to say because he's been so successful the last couple of years, but can't argue with you there. All right, so little little preseason, pre-auction power index. Um, we'll fill out the rest of it after the auction uh, once we get the full rosters set up. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about it, but – since we started this segment last year, um, I think it's time for, for a little uh, where in the world is the championship belt? Well, you know, I'm going to try to send pictures of it more often this year. Because I, I don't think everyone's seen the belt, but um, just to give you a right, right now, it's in our family room slash living room slash study multi-purpose room what yeah my wife would like to remind everyone that it's next to our other trophy so (laughs) multiple fans football champion this year so she's very proud of me you know i don't accomplish much in life (laughs) but but at least you got two fantasy trophies this is all i have this is all i have Uh, so yeah right now right now it's picture this picture a 1970s Ann Arbor apartment. Walls are gray. Facilities are terrible. <laughs> There's probably mold in the walls. The windows are very drafty. In the corner, there's a door to the porch, a first floor porch. On the porch, there's two chairs, a table, a portable grill that needs to be cleaned. When you come in from the porch and open the door, you look to your left, you see a bookshelf that doesn't quite match the rest of the decor, almost like a college dorm, making the wife very angry. <laughs> Next to the bookshelf is a replica Captain America shield, the owner's prized possession, other than his child and his dog. Next to the shield, on top of the bookshelf, lies a flag, an American flag that once flew over the U.S. Capitol, and a Venezuelan flag that was bought on the Internet. Next, next to those flags is a silver cup that contains ungodly things. Um, the one I know is whipped cream from a cheesecake that we tried to convince Cratch with semen like 10 years ago. And around that cup is a glorious belt of leather, faux leather, and gold, faux gold. And that is the championship belt of 12 men, one trophy. And said trophy is that belt. And that is where in the world is the championship belt. Dun, dun, dun. That was a a lovely walk. And there it was today. Dude, I do. I. I mean, I'm. I'm visualizing it both in my mind and on my phone because you sent a picture of this a few weeks ago. Um, so it's very clear. Oh yeah, true story. What you're discussing. Yeah that that description was for Kaz, our English major in the league. I mean, I felt like you wrote that description out and you've been rehearsing it over and over again because that was that was just beautiful. No, that was purely bourbon talking. 
<laughs> Purely the Elijah Craig. All right. Uh, so we've uh, we've kind of hit on uh, some of this already with our, our discussion, uh, but what do you want to talk about in terms of the auction preview? Do you want to really dive into the salary, look at the needs, uh, and then I know you want to talk more about those trades, so I think we should save that part for last. But why don't you lead us off here? Don't build it up too much. It's not very exciting. <laughs> so, you know, salary cap-wise, I tried to look at the teams in general where we at, um, and then a little bit analytically. So I tried to group the teams. So in terms of teams that are in a position where they really need to push for the championship this year based on – contracts they have expiring um and there's four teams in that win now group and that's me because um, i'm gonna have a lot of uh you know big questions next year to decide uh Zangus we talked about mitch we know um, he's he's holding on to Le'Veon bell on a great contract and todd Gurley on a great contract and an arthritic knee uh, so he really needs to go for it this year and then the fourth team is is you actually um you've done a good job of building your team up in a short time because your division was terrible last year, every single team in it. Um, but <laughs> well, thank you. I think, but I mean, your team is, is really has a chance to compete for the championship this year. So, but again, you're like me, you're going to have a lot of changes in the coming year. So the time is now for you. Um, the middle group is definitely the biggest group and that's teams that, with the free agency, they could either decide to go for the championship or they could try to, you know, make smart signings and make trades and try to build for another year. Uh, and that's Truman, Kaz, Phil, Cratch, D'Amato, and O'Brien I put in that group. Uh, I think all six of them have some decisions to make. I think most of them really should, you know, have an opportunity to go for it because there are enough free agents out there. But again, the big problem, and we're going to see that in you know, nine days at the Chicago Live Draft, in that there are no running backs. So what do you do? Um, and then the last group is the rebuilding group. And Tony, obviously, we've hit on that. He's definitely rebuilding. He's told everybody. Everybody knows he's rebuilding. Um, and the last thing we haven't talked about is Pennis. I put him in there, not because he doesn't have talent on his team, but it's just so he already has quite a few roster spaces filled and he doesn't have the high level talent that some teams do. Yes. Diggs is good. Um, Montgomery is going to be good, but does he have like the top tier talent? He really doesn't. Um, so he has to make a decision if he's going to try to go for it all in free agency or try to build for the future. Yeah, I, I kind of had uh, Pettis in that, that wishy-washy group kind of right in the middle there, too. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, he's definitely got some some solid players, but the, he's got no big, big stars. You know, he's got a bunch of, uh, you know, wide receiver twos, potentially running back twos if he's lucky, um, but no, no huge names that jump out. Um, you know, Godwin is on every – sleeper breakout list uh for everyone every analyst this season so you know it could be wrong he could have a couple of wide receiver ones there with him and Diggs, but um you know i i i think his biggest need is a running back and as we've already mentioned there's just not a lot of running backs out there 
Right. I mean, Jones and Darwin Thompson, I like. They could be much better. I mean, Jones could be much better this year, and Darwin Thompson, he could he could be in a timeshare or even take over the role in Kansas City. But uh, I just, if I'm in Pennis' shoes, I probably leverage uh, digs and try to build for the future here because I do really like Montgomery and I do like Darwin Thompson, and he's going to have Jones for two more years. So I probably leverage this year to build for next but year. But do you think he should like? trade digs in some sort of like a give back trade with Zankis where they just like swap players for like half a season (laughs) or something, or should that maybe not be allowed? I don't know. We should have an email chain about it (laughs) and we should shout collusion a couple times. Ah, yeah. So you you can't have trade talks without collusion. Um, So just, I I ran some numbers real quick here uh, on my computation pad. Um, Dan, your roster is actually the most full with 18 out of 20 roster spots full, 17 if you count Bryce being yeah, in the Yeah, I'm kind of 17. Yeah. Um, but uh, for most other people, we're, we're sitting between 11 and uh, and 14 or 15. Um, yeah, I actually so- I have some numbers for you, Dr. Cole. Mm, please. So, and this is a little uh, imprecise because some teams have actually kept the defense or in Phil's case, uh, he's franchise a kicker. A kicker, so you know those players you're only going to pay probably half a million to three million tops for. But uh, I tried to look at who has the most money per uh, open roster space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as you alluded to, so science, yeah. math. Yeah, exactly. So at the top of the pile, as you alluded to, I am there. Uh, I have about 59 million rounded uh, for about three players. I'm not, you know, counting the rule you just told me about. So I had about 19 and a half million to spend per open roster spot, which is tops. But uh, I'd say most everyone falls in kind of a middle ground uh, between. 10 and 16 million. So Phil is second with about 16.86 million per empty roster spot. And that's, he actually has seven open roster spots, but he has so much money to spend at about 118 million. I mean, he's going to be a big player in nine days. Tony, we know is rebuilding. He's also up there. He has about 15 and a quarter per empty roster spot. Uh, And then, then you start getting into the middle ground. Zank with 12, D'Amato with about 11, you have just over nine. Cos uh, with twelve and a half. Pentis has fifteen. This is what I'm talking about. Pentis really has a chance if he can leverage digs. I mean, he has a chance to really build for the future, but that's up to him. And then we have the bottom where we're looking at O'Brien, who's you know questionable if he's rebuilding or trying to win this year. But he only has he needs to fill seven roster spots, but only has five million dollars per roster spot to do it. Uh, that's going to be tough. We may be seeing him drop some more players. He's already dropped Terrence West. He may need to drop a few more. We'll see. Um, Cratch has about seven, and Mitch is sitting at about five point seven million per empty roster spot. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to be going to be some tough decisions for uh, for those guys on the lower end there. You know, uh, Ob, Mitch, and Cratch. Um, but uh, and I, I, I thought, um, you know, for for the most part. We're all fairly even going into the offseason in terms of kind of cap to roster space. 
you know, for the most part, we're all between, you know, 10 to 15 million. Um, obviously there's some outliers on both ends, um, but it should be a, a pretty uh, competitive auction and uh, I'm excited for it. It should be fun. Yes, this should be fun. You guys should all come and have fun <laughs> with us on September 1st for the fun live auction. We're looking at you, Zangus. We're looking at you, Zangus. I'll see you there. Tony will rent a car and drive you down if need be. But you're coming. Zangus, would you, Zangus, would you rather be at home with Mary Beth talking about the draft or with us in Chicago, your town, living it up? So close to Greek town. Ooh, fuck Greek town. Parthenon's <laughs> closed. Oh. All right. Um, so a lot of open roster space, a lot of open cap space. What are some trades you think need to happen here? So I kind of truncated my list because, you know, only – I, I kind of uh, – let's just start with that. I, I pulled Cratch and D'Amato out of it because um, I tried to give everyone one trade, but um, – Cratch needs running backs. D'Amato needs a whole lot. Um, they can't really trade with each other, so we just didn't count them. So you hear that, job, guys? guys? You don't count. Yeah. So first trade, and again, I don't want you to make these trades because these would be bad for me winning a second championship. But as an as a you know totally unbiased commentator, um, first trade I think that would be a smart trade to make is Zangus works a deal with Kaz and where Kaz sends T.Y. Hilton and Jarek McKinnon for a 2020 second round pick. Um, why Hilton goes away for so cheap is because McKinnon is on Kaz's roster until 2021 for a shit ton of money. And Zangus is one of the only teams that has the cap space to actually take on McKinnon's salary. Obviously, he'd probably drop him, but no other team can really take on that salary um, to get Hilton. So I think that'd be a good trade. I don't think Zank makes it, honestly, because Zank loves picks. But Who doesn't? Uh, think of the possibility. That pick could be anything. Exactly. Lottery tickets, man. But to me, Zangus, Zangus desperately needs wide receivers. So um, to me, that's a trade to make for Zangus. And it works out for Kaz. He gets rid of that terrible contract. I mean, McKinnon... He may not be in the league after another year or two. So, um, and Kaz gets a nice pick out of it. The 2020 draft is absolutely loaded. Um, second round picks are going to be like first round picks this year. Ooh, so, doggy. Get excited. It, it's going to be a big year. So I think that benefits both teams. Um, next one, bringing back former roommates, if nobody knew. Uh, former roommates on Arch Street, uh, Mitch Salverson and Matthew Pennis. Pennis should once again try to... St- try to trade Stefan Diggs, but this time in a way that's actually allowed. Uh, <laughs> and he should leverage he should leverage Diggs for a first-round pick next year. I think that is value he can get. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Mitch trades for uh, Diggs for a 2020 first-rounder. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely something that can help out both teams. Um, obviously setting Pentis up for the future. Um, and I think, you know – most of these trades too, when you're talking about picks like that, you're talking about, you know, are you going for it this year or are you rebuilding? And 
I think it, that's something if, if owners can decide that before the auction draft, that helps them kind of set up their drafting strategy even a little bit better rather than going in kind of, you know, half-ass and maybe going for it, maybe not, and then trying to make a trade after the draft. I think that just puts them in a little bit tougher position. Right. I mean, I got to be honest. I have – it was – I did this a couple years ago, and I decided I was just going to try to build for the future in this league. And honestly, it was seriously a very difficult decision. I've never not competed for a year in fans football, but I traded with you and Cratch, and I ended up getting two extra first-round picks, and that, that actually is what led me to the championship last year. So making that decision – which I didn't want to make, but just that decision to build for the future worked out. And two years later, I'm able to catapult to a championship. What? My wife says I should stop giving my secrets away. <laughs> I mean, the, that, that 20 was a 2017 rookie draft really worked out for you. You got Kamara and McCaffrey. Um, I don't even remember who your third first round pick was because yeah. those two are, are So that one kind of flopped. So that was probably your own pick. And then I gave you Kamara and Crash gave you McCaffrey, right? Uh, No, my pick was McCaffrey. Yeah. And to be honest, I was going to, I wanted to take uh, Cook or Mixon, but I stupidly thought, well, D'Amato and Zangus won't take Mixon because that was right after all his issues. Well, right all after right after all his issues came out. I was like, they won't take Mixon. One of them will take Davis, and they didn't. So my thought was, sorry, I screwed that up. My thought was if I take Davis now, I'll get Mixon at a later pick. So I took Davis, and then they took Mixon and Cook, and then I was fucked, so I traded with Tony to get out of that, uh, what was it, fourth pick, fifth pick. That was a a terribly told story. So anyway. Yeah, but you had two out of three good draft picks. Yeah, the the next trade I would suggest, for some reason Tony is holding on to Hunter Henry, even though he's rebuilding. I don't know why. I think he likes alliteration. I have no idea. That's a shtick. Yeah, exactly. So – to me, a nice trade for both teams. Tony works with Truman, and Truman, unfortunately, even though he's his favorite player, Truman lets go of A.J. Green, who is injured again. And Truman actually trades A.J. Green and gets rid of his salary before the free agent draft and a 2020 second-round pick for Hunter Henry. I think that benefits both teams. Tony's rebuilding. He can take on the 40 some million salary of Green, and then Truman can actually get a you know first tier tight end. I don't think he has any right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty good trade on both sides. Um, like you said, Truman loves AJ Green though, and he just traded for him, you know, right at the trade deadline last year. So I don't know if he's going to be able to give him up that easily. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he's got to be frustrated, and you know, everyone everyone said that I won that trade, but I think in general. Everyone lost, to be honest, except <laughs> O'Brien. Didn't you get Deshaun Watson out of that? No, that was a trade with you and D'Amato. Oh, uh, okay. So, in all reality, the team the team that won that trade was O'Brien because he 
was already out of the season and he traded Keenan Allen for a first round pick. So anyway, the next trade, um, I'm going to just go to skip to this trade. I wasn't going to include us. So I just, I just made a trade between you and I, uh, I think a decent, All right, let's talk. This, this is not a proposal. But I think uh, it would I make continue. <laughs> but I think it would make sense for both teams. Um, I trade one of my tight ends for Lamar Jackson and a 2020 second round pick because uh, you desperately need a tight end, and I know you're going to be bidding on Kelsey, but um, I need a backup quarterback, and you need a tight end, and there you, there you go. Yeah, but I also need a backup quarterback because Lux Mike is That's hurt. true. That's true. Anyway, no one wants to hear about us. They've heard enough already. Um, the last tra- the last trade <laughs> we'll I looked talk. at is O'Brien and Phil. So this is probably the first one I thought of months ago, and I think the most interesting one from the grand scheme of things. O'Brien's rebuilding, and Phil has a problem. He needs reliable running backs. And he has Kareem Hunt on his team, who is on the Browns, but he can't play till week nine. So what do you do? So my offer from Phil, if I were Phil, would be to offer a 2020 first-round pick, which is not as good anymore because he's now lost his 2020 second-round pick. But I would probably still do it. A 2020 first-round pick for Nick Chubb, um, who still has who was drafted last year. So he'd have two years on his contract. O'Brien would then have three picks in an amazing draft next year in the first round. And then Phil doesn't have to worry. He has Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And the Browns offense is going to be great this year. So, I mean, that's the plan. If if I'm sitting here and I'm an O'Brien, I know I have Chubb for two more years. I already have two first-round pick picks next year. I know Chubb is going to be – or I expect Chubb is going to be great already. Um so I, I, if I'm O'Brien, I think Phil's got to sweeten that pot a little bit. Um, you know, trading the the known quantity of Chubb for two more years versus uh, the potential breakout of whatever running back uh, he might draft uh, with presumably a low first round pick from Phil next year. Um, if I'm O'Brien, I, you, you got to sweeten that pot a little bit for me. But I, I agree that that uh, addresses needs for both teams. Um, but it's it's a good good jumping off point if I'm either of them. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm saying. I think it's the most interesting trade. That'd be obviously a big blockbuster trade, um, and could go either way. But pr- I think probably benefits both teams in the long run. Yeah, we shall see. All right. Any other uh, fun, fantastical trades or um, math and stats you want to break out here, Dan, before we wrap up? You know, that's all I got. Um, I just want to say I hope everyone that is able can make it to Chicago. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have good bourbon, good friends, good family, good times. So I hope everyone can make it that's not otherwise involved with other commitments. Uh, hope to see you there. And even if even if you are, cancel them. Come on down. Draft is more important. And bring your bring your significant other, of course. So looking at you, Phil. Phil lives here now. Phil's I like know, three blocks away. I know. So he'll be there, but he better bring his special friend. 
when you keep saying it like that, it's, it makes me question what's going on here. No, I just want to meet her. Okay. I've known Phil, I've known Phil a long time, and I've known a lot of Phil's girlfriends, and I want to meet her. Fair enough. So you hear that, Phil? You hear that, Zankus? You hear that, Truman? Who else is in common? Pentis? Uh, so Pentis and Mitch, they have good excuses. Mitch, yeah. Truman, Truman and Zank, yeah, not so much. So. Not not so good excuses. So Kaz we'll see is you a there. little. It's a little cross country for Kaz, so I'll forgive you. Uh, Kaz also has a good excuse, but Kaz Kaz could pull surprise. You know, he might just show up. Okay. You never know. I'm just gonna text him my address, and we'll see when he shows up. Add a boy. And it's going to be fun when I text him my address randomly before he listens to this podcast. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so... He better. Really because you better be listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah, Chicago 2019 live, 12 men, one trophy. uh, In-person draft, but still online for those that can't make it. Um, We'll see you guys there. The belt will be there. I will be there. Benjamin will be there. Mick might be there. Sabrina will be there. Be a good time. It's going to be a party. Bourbon will be there. Probably some corners. Who, hopefully. How about you, Barney? Any last thoughts to convince people to come to the draft? I mean, I think you've you've summarized the the high points. Uh, you know, good friends, what, good bourbon. What's the word on Alyssa? Will Alyssa be there? Um, Alyssa will be there for part of it. Um, Excellent. She has some evening plans already that were made far in advance. Um, yeah, I have no um, no pets to bring. Um, I can bring my robotic vacuum if you want. Um, but otherwise, there will definitely be some uh, some some choice bourbon selections that I'll bring along. Um, I will also be bringing a surprise uh, choice bourbon. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know, the, the Airbnb that you got is, I think, uh, a total of four whole blocks from where I live. So you guys are coming to my hood. Uh, it's a pretty nice hood. There's lots of good restaurants, lots of good bars. Uh, so after the draft, we'll be, uh, we'll be having a little little family dinner with all of us and then uh, maybe hitting the town. See Absolutely. I'm in. All righty. Well, then, uh, until uh, until next time, uh, you know, it'll be a little bit longer between episodes in the, the preseason, but uh, we'll definitely have a week one uh, recap show uh, after the, the week one games and matchups are all up. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get in another show after the auction draft to kind of update some of our uh, preseason rankings and projections, uh, but we'll, we'll go from there. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys then. I mean, it kind of breaks from the the '90s theme, um, but I mean, The Office is a fantastic show. Well, it's season two, man. Things change. Oh, good point. All right, I like it. I like it. Bringing in some. In season, in season one, I didn't have a kid. Season two, I have oh, a kid. It's crazy. The, the changes are drastic. True story. I watched the whole show while Sabrina was pregnant. So, like, now I hear that, and all I think about is no oh, man. Her I think pregnant. I probably watched the whole so- show while Sabrina was pregnant as well, but I did, don't associate it with her pregnancy. <laughs> well, now you do. 
and we're watching it again now. Nice. Well, you got to get it in. When's it coming off Netflix? It's soon, right? Uh, I think in like two years, but we'll, we'll probably um, get it in like three more times. That is, yeah, that is two years is not enough time to rewatch The Office. Yes. Is Toby the Scranton time. Strangler? I need to know. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm still on the side. 100%. Still on the side. Better watch the whole arc again. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take you another couple of years to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, how would you know? We may never know. That's true. Did you see um, Meredith is going to be on Dancing with the Stars this season? No, I did not. Yeah, Alyssa just told me that last night. Very good. I'm excited now. Yeah, all sorts of fun. I'd be more excited if it were... Anyone else? I don't know, Creed. Because I kind of want to... I guess he's kind of a weird person in real life, too. So. I mean, it, it fits his, his persona, right? Yeah. Or Pam, just because I, you know, love Pam. Who doesn't love yeah. Pam? I mean, there, there are some people out there that like hate Pam. Yeah, people are stupid. Huh? Very true. And on that note, 